So as I thought about these verses, I thought about the concept of a map. And I got this because I, was, I started a new book this week, and it's a book about ministry and church ministry, and the author opens it with this little illustration about a time when he and his wife were kayaking. This is apparently something they like to do together. And so they had found this little trail that was a few miles long, and they were going to go kayak down. And he said they talked to the guide, and they had all their gear. And they get what feels like most of the way through their trail. And the guide has promised them this is an easy trail. It's smooth all the way. You're going to have a great time. But they get to what feels like maybe towards the end, and they come across this bend in the river, and it looks like there's a tree trunk that has fallen over and a few rocks, and it has created some rapids. Um, and, and they, they kind of pause, pause and go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, sure we're equipped to deal with this. We, we were assured that this was going to be a smooth, gentle ride. ride. So, so they, they kind of assess from what they could tell from where they were. And this wasn't their first time. They'd done it. So they decided, let's just go, let's just go ahead and try. We'll be fine. So the author is telling the story. And I'm just going to summarize very briefly. Basically what happens is his kayak goes, hits the tree, flips over. They lose all of their stuff. Um, he gets pegged between the kayak and the tree trunk and can't get out. Meanwhile, his wife gets stuck on a rock on the other side of the tree in between a rapid and her ankle gets like twisted. She thinks maybe she's broken it. And then the tree, he's trying to get the kayak loose and the tree trunk comes loose and it falls on top of him. And he's like going underwater underneath this tree. He thinks he's about to die. Meanwhile, his wife, He's like, like trying, trying to get, get this thing, thing out of the way. And basically, basically it's, it's horrible. horrible. Like horrible. But they, they survive it and they get out and they really was just around the bend and they were done. And he, he says, on our drive home, we were processing and pondering what we've learned from this situation. It's like, yeah, that's not what I'd be doing. I'd be like, okay, here's what we're doing. We're never going kayaking again. And we were processing what we, what we could have learned from the situation. And the very first thing we wrote down does anybody, anybody want to guess? guess? Does anybody, anybody want to guess what they think, think the very first thing they might have wrote down was? It was, always, always remember to bring a map. map. And, and I, I read, read that, that and I went, what? <laughs> That's, That's not, not the, the first thing, thing I learned from, from your situation. situation. I learned you need to tie your stuff down better and maybe take a first aid kit with you. And if it looks dangerous, don't do it. Like there are a lot of other things I learned. And the first thing you come up with is, Make, Make sure, sure you bring, bring them out. <laughs> the more I processed it, though, the more I pondered this, what I thought was a ridiculous story with a ridiculous ending, I thought, oh, maybe this guy is actually, um, maybe he's actually onto something. Because here's the deal, maps help us locate ourselves in the midst of terrain, right? They help, they help us navigate, getting, getting ourselves from one location to another, but they, they also can help us see the world from a different perspective. perspective. If, if I'm, I'm on the ground looking at something versus if I'm looking at a map and I see it from an aerial view, it helps me gain a new perspective and figure out where I am in relation to everything else. We see the larger pieces and how they fit together. They reorient us. And this is what I think the Beatitudes do for us as well. But when I think about this Sermon on the Mount... I can't, I can't help, help but think about the people to whom Jesus was talking to. The scripture tells us that his disciples went up on the mountain and sat down, but there are verses towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount that makes us think that there were crowds around him too. And at the end of chapter 4, it tells us that he was being pressed in on every side by these crowds. These people that were coming to him for healing or for hope or to hear what it was that he had to say. 
So he, so he goes, goes up, up to the mountain, mountain and he starts, starts preaching and he starts with these blessings. But the concept of being blessed back then was not exactly what he was saying. Back then, the theology of the day, and I think it's probably similar to the theology that you and I have kind of heard today, you knew if you were blessed because you were wealthy, because your business was succeeding, because you had many, many children, because you had plenty of food to eat, because you were higher up in society, you were well-respected. This is how you knew that you were blessed. A blessing can mean a state of joy or a state of happiness, but really the way they intended it is that God's favor had fallen upon you. And it was evident when the rest of us looked at your life. We knew that you were blessed. But I get the impression that most of the people following Jesus that day weren't those kinds of people. They were the people who, they, they were not the people who'd be posting on social media that they were hashtag blessed. They weren't the ones who could look at their life and go, clearly, clearly I'm good with God. Clearly everything is all right. They were drawn to Jesus because they needed something from him that he had to offer. He was bringing something different and they were like, I want that. I want to explore that. His teachings were so revolutionary that it was upending the world as they knew it. It was, it was upending, upending their understanding, understanding about life and about God and about, God and about themselves. Because, because where the world may have looked at all those desperate, poor, diseased, struggling people and told them that they need to get their life right with God, Jesus looked at them and said, God sees you and God loves you and you are blessed. You have received God's favor. And I wonder if they struggled to believe it. Because everything, everything in their, their life up to this point had said, what? Are you sure? I mean, think about it. The very first thing he says is the poor in spirit. I think some of us can relate to this. Have you ever prayed for something for so long and it didn't happen or it hasn't happened yet? Have you ever yearned for something? You've been holding on to hope that things can change and it just seems to be more and more impossible that these things are never going to change and in your spirit you are just weary and tired. This is how I felt watching the news this week. I'm just weary and tired. And blessed isn't the term that comes to mind. Forgotten, maybe? Hopeless? Powerless? These terms, maybe, but... Not blessed. And yet Jesus says something different. Or what about those who are mourning? Something has happened that brought incredible grief. Maybe it was a death. Maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was a divorce or a betrayal of some kind. And they are living in this grief knowing that the trajectory of their life has completely changed. They might feel abandoned or voiceless or ignored, but probably not blessed. And I think we could do this with all of these other Beatitudes, too. The meek, the pure in heart, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, I can just hear the religious leaders going, okay, listen, it's not enough to want righteousness, to hunger and thirst for it. you got to work for it, okay? you got to be educated, then you got to try, and if you fail, ooh, that's bad. You're probably not good enough anyway. Definitely not blessed. The merciful, the peacemakers. We know that's not how the world works, right? If you're merciful, you're going to get taken advantage of. If you're a peacemaker, you're going to get attacked from both sides because they're both mad at you for trying to make peace. 
Even with just a cursory glance at these verses, we know that this is not the way of the world. These are not the kinds of people that our world blesses. And yet, plain as day, Jesus utters a different reality. Now, I should have told you that I read so many different commentaries about the Sermon on the Mount and specifically about the Beatitudes, and we could take it and we could dissect these little pieces. Like, we could get into all the definitions of all the different words and the multiple definitions, and if it means this, then this really means this, and we're not going to do that today. We're going to let the words stand for what they are in their simplicity and trust that God is going to speak to us through them. But these verses... Offer us a different truth. It may not be the way of the world that we live in, but it is the way of God's world, the realm of God. And isn't that what Jesus ushered in when he came to this earth, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is a new way to live and to be and exist in this world. And here's a map for how you know what that is. These verses not only help us locate ourselves in the midst, but they help change our perspective. To see see it through through the lens of God's reign, reign, of what what it could be. N.T. Wright says that these are the first verses that introduce this new reality of God. This upside-down kingdom. This is the first time that they have been spoken. The first time we've heard it where the last will be first and the lowly will be lifted up. And it isn't the way of the world as we know it. And it isn't that good news. I'm going to say that part again. It's It's not not the way of the world world as we know it. And is it that good news for those of us who are hurting or poor in spirit or who are hunger and thirsting for righteousness or who are trying to be peacemakers in this world? Jesus is offering us good news when we feel overlooked or passed by or unheard, when we're tired and weary of wanting what is right and good and just in this world, when we've been praying for it for so long, when we feel like the ways of gentleness and peace and mercy aren't getting us anywhere. These verses are good news. And sometimes even those of us in this room need the reminder. We need to remember that though it may not look like it, this is the way of the blessed. This is the way of the Savior that we serve. The kingdom of God is coming through groups such as these, so do not lose hope. One of the things I love about this church is that we are people who care about justice. We care about those in our midst, in our community, who are in different social situations than ours. And I imagine that as I watched the news and felt weary and burdened, I imagine that so many of you did too. Let us not lose hope. Let us be people who can identify where we are on this map and know the hope that Christ offers us. But there's more to it than this. I'm going to step out here for a second. One of my favorite TV shows. I don't know if y'all are going to judge me for this or not. It's all right. One of my favorite TV shows is a TV show called Friends. Anybody? Okay. Am I alone in this? Okay. I have a, oh, I got a fist bump back there. This is good. Okay. Um, when I need a good laugh, When When things things just feel heavy and I need to just escape for a while, Friends never fails to deliver on this. And there's one episode where all the friends go to London for a wedding. And one of them, named Joey, buys himself a map of London so he can go visit all these places. But Joey's map is a pop-up map. So when he opens it, up pops Big Ben. 
and he, he unfolds, unfolds it more, and up pops Buckingham Palace, and like there are all these like, it's like this 3D thing, but Joey, he's he's not that bright, so he can't just look at it and figure out where he's going, so you see him kind of, like he has all these little pop-up things, and he's holding, and he's trying to figure it out, and finally he goes... And he, and he steps, steps into, into the pop-up pop -up map to, to look around to try to, try to orient himself where it is. And, and once he does that, he can figure out where he's going. He can figure out which direction he's facing and how it works. And he does this for a while by himself. And then another friend joins him. And sure enough, in a few minutes, they get lost. And Joey's got his map and he's looking around. And he puts it down and he steps in it. And he's like, he looks at his friend Chandler and he goes, come on, you got to get in the map with me. <laughs> and it's sort of like, no, I'm not doing that. You're an idiot. I'm not going to do this thing. It's like, no, if we want to find out where we're going, you have to get in it with me. So his friend goes, okay. So he jumps in. So, of course, they're like holding on to each other like this and looking around. And then they both go, oh, yeah, okay. I see where we are. And they know where they're going. It's a very funny scene. But the idea that Joey brings in his friend into the map and they reorient themselves together. Makes, makes me think, think of these Beatitudes. Beatitudes. So, so I want you to do, do something, something for me today. today. I, I want, want you to, to I want you to, to I'm about, about to read them again, again and I'm, I'm just gonna read, read the first part of them. them. And, and instead, instead of figuring out where we ourselves fit in them, maybe, maybe we do feel poor in spirit, maybe we are trying to be merciful and peacemakers and that is wonderful, but for a moment, we're not gonna think about us. We're going to think about others. And as I read the first line of each of these, I want you to picture in your mind's eye a person or a group of people that that phrase could apply to. You can write it down if you're a note taker or you can just keep it. Okay? And I'm going to go through every single one. And I want you to picture others in your mind about who these may be. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or some translations say, for justice. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. As you pictured other people in your mind's eye, here's my question for us today. And it's, and it's the, the question, question I've been asking myself all week long. How, How will, will they know, know that they are blessed? How will they know this good news? The world certainly won't tell them. So how will they know? Who will tell them? Can it be us? Can we be the ones who not only know where we stand in this map, who bring other people with us and let them know how God thinks of them too.
We've talked a lot lately about sharing our stories, about cultivating stories and listening well to the stories of others. And what I hope will happen as we do this is that we'll develop compassionate curiosity. Walt Whitman said, be curious, not judgmental. Curious, not judgmental. I hope that as we listen to the stories of others that we will come, not with judgments or assumptions or all the answers, but with a curiosity of compassion that recognizes the humanity of our neighbors and recognizes God in the story of our neighbors and recognizes God in the faces of our neighbors. And I hope, like the quote that David read for us earlier, that we will marvel and that we will wonder and remind others that they are blessed. I should tell you here as we close up that I cannot take credit for this, uh, for this map analogy. There is a show that I've been watching, and I'm going to preface it before I tell you about it because... The staff have heard about it multiple times. Kathy's already rolling her eyes over there. Um, so I don't really like TV shows or movies about Jesus. Okay, I don't think any of them do it well, and I don't really like the way they portray him. Um, I think he's more important than what most of these media people think he is. But there is a TV show right now called The Chosen. Has anybody seen it? Oh, I'm introducing. Oh, my husband has. Okay, good job. I am introducing you to something new. It is, a, it is a show made about Jesus and his disciples, but it's really more about the disciples. It doesn't treat them like they're one monolithic thing, but like they're all these different individuals coming from all these different places. And I was told about it for a year. And I was like, no, I don't watch stuff about Jesus. No, I don't like, mm -mm, not doing that. And then I, I started watching it, and y'all, it is good. It's a real good. But there's one scene where Jesus is getting ready to preach his first sermon, and he asks Matthew, who's a very good note-taker because he was a tax collector, to come take notes and help him work out this order of this sermon. And they're arguing, kind of discussing how it should begin, and they're not sure that they like it, and Jesus goes, okay, give me, give me a second, I'm going to think about this for a little bit more. And Jesus takes his time. And later on, you see Jesus come back and he says, Matthew, I've got it, I've got it. And he kind of wakes Matthew up, and Jesus says, it's a map. Matthew goes, okay. And Jesus starts reciting these verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. He says it in the right order, obviously. And Matthew's writing all this down. And Matthew goes, okay, but how is that a map? And Jesus says, if people want to know where to find me, these are the groups they should look for. People want to know where to find me. These are the groups they should look for. May we be the people who look at this world through God's map, who find ourselves in it, and who declare the good news of it to others as well, so that they can find themselves in it. And in doing so, we all experience God. Would you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the joy that it is to be together. Even in the midst of really hard situations happening outside of these walls, thank you that as much as those are burdensome, as much as we care about those, that we can come here together and experience the joy of the Lord and the joy of this community. Like the quote says, God, may we be the kind of people that build a longer table and not a taller fence. 
that as we come together and experience your joy, you are constantly inviting others, going out into the world and reminding them that they, too, are seen and loved and blessed by you. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.